Beth, you carry on. Excellent. Look at this. Changing my papers too. Now we're Seamless. talking about <laughs> uh, diversity at, so again, diversity, um, we talk about it all the time, but the reality is it's good business. And so we want to talk about how, how that affects your business and what you can do about it. If you want to uh, either expand your workforce or expand your fan base, um, it's something that's critical for this business. And I'm, I'm so glad that we as an industry have really uh, figured that out because um, again, it's for the future health of our sport. We need more people to be watching, more people to be buying tickets to come to venues. Um, and ideally, one of the ways that we've been doing that is by getting uh, more people into the paddock in, in, you know, working in the paddock, because now it seems far more relatable for that person watching at home or watching, uh, you know, in, in the grandstands, because it, it, all, it, it all matters so that we can be racing for years to come. So with us today, we have Brooke Bond from Bosch Motorsport US and Dickie Regal from Lime Rock Park. And the reason why I selected both of these panelists is because Brooke, with uh, working with Bosch this year, they have done some very, um, really proactive events some pro progressive events, ideally, um, to try to get women into racing, but really ideally so that they could perhaps be future employees of Bosch. So very, uh, very smartly, very strategically put together some um, interesting events that may continue, but it's uh, to, introduce people to our in industry because it might be something that people had never considered and really exposing them to what the uh, career paths may be within motorsport itself. And Dickie Regal is the president of Lime Rock Park and um, has been very supportive of Women in Motorsport North America from the beginning, has been on our working group, but this year announced that uh, Lime Rock Park is our regional hub for women in motorsport. And, and uh, Dickie has really invested time and uh, imagination into um, supporting getting more women into um, into the sport for his to support his venue and the series that uh, do race at Lime Rock Park throughout the uh, throughout the year. So, uh, Brooke, we'll start with you. Just give us a little bit of a quick background of just what you did right before Bosch, so it puts in perspective for the for the viewers of uh, what why you have a, a what 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 adds to your perspective in the role you're in now with Bosch Motorsport. Definitely. So thanks again for having me join the conversation. And uh, prior to joining Bosch, I worked on the all-women's off-road rally uh, in Morocco, the rally Aisha de Gazelle. And uh, then I joined a group of British motorsport brands that were expanding their market to the U.S. So it was Janetta, Bowler, and the Ariel Adam. Um, so I was very involved in motorsports. And now within Bosch, I can kind of continue that and really understand what Bosch is doing to uh, widen the circle and really educate people on what the motorsport industry has to offer, the many different careers and opportunities, um, both here in the U.S. and globally. Absolutely. Thank you. And Dickie, um, you've been at Lime Rock now for a couple of years. You want to just tell a little bit of what you did before owning a racetrack and um, and and kind of what, what brings you with us today for a uh, being our WIMNA regional hub. Yeah, thanks so much, Beth, and uh, great to see you again, Brooke. Um, we were all together just a couple of weeks ago out in Arizona for that fabulous uh, Women in Motorsports North America Summit. Um, had uh, had the opportunity to to meet so many fantastic people. So, you know, in in meeting all of them, it really 
adds uh, adds luster and and you know validates Lime Rock Park's decision to be to become a real partner uh, with women with Wimna. So uh, looking forward to all that opportunity. Um, my my background I um, I was in the RV industry with a company uh, called Airstream and um, and also Thor Industries, its parent company. Um, but uh, also founded my own little uh, my travel business, uh, Airstream to Go, um, immediately before uh, having the opportunity with two fellow partners, Charles Mallory and Bill Rickert, um, to work together in partnership with Skip Barber, the legendary Skip Barber, uh, to purchase Lime Rock Park. And we did that uh, April 1st, 2021. Um, so now building on Skip's unbelievable legacy and all of his stewardship to become the next stewards of uh, this historic facility. So uh, looking forward to all that opportunity ahead. Yeah, and doing a fantastic job, I may say. So let's just talk about we talk about we're talking about diversity for business, and again, you know, the, the knock-on effect of um, of why that has value. We know that we, we've seen reports that companies with diverse boards perform better. But what do you think the value of diversity is at your company? So, Brooke, when you talk about just diversity, you know, why do you think diverse teams perform better? It really comes down to decision making and the the pace of this industry overall. Uh, when you're, when you kind of have to be whether you like it or not, or no matter how much level of preparation you put into a race or a season, there's always unforeseen issues that come up. There's always um, a lot of people fighting for your attention and for many different reasons. And to be able to problem solve with a mix of options, just diversity feeds that. We all have different backgrounds. We all have you know, so much to offer and to have a diverse kind of decision-making table really feeds that quick decision-making process and, you know, to assess the situation, learn from your decisions, and then kind of repeat on that again and to be strategic, but also have your ears open wide and to really make sure that, you know, everyone a part of that conversation has a seat and a voice at the table. Yeah. And a different, a different experience, right? Different diversity of thought is going to give you maybe ideas or solutions you wouldn't have considered because you didn't, you know, you didn't, you had that different lens. And so somebody on your team might've had, might've seen a pitfall before, right. That you might not have. And so it's, it's nice to kind of hear different voices, um, especially when you're setting strategy to your point, Dickie, what do you think um, the value of diversity is? So again, I know we say it, we, we throw the word around and we, you know, you and I talked about this, that right now people think that it just means it could just mean women or, but when you look at something like Lime Rock, you, again, you have a twofold, um, uh challenge when because you have your own staff and you want to make sure that you have the best staff possible for your own setting of strategy and 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 execution of operations but you also have a, a fan base that you need to um to cultivate and you need to get people to come to your venue so when you talk about diversity you kind of have a two-pronged thing so how do, how do you, you know in everything that you're doing in in uh, future planning for lime rock where does diversity sit in your strategy yeah, I don't know how many, um, you know, how many times are on that fork that all the inputs that we have with so many, not just the fan base, but, you know, our competitors, participants, our EMS uh, providers, the sanctioning bodies, uh, you know, we're so many different things at this little 
uh, little operation in the northwest corner of Connecticut, which, you know, under the term diversity, you know, maybe, you know, a less diverse community inherently. So we have our challenges, but, you know, to me, diversity, um, you know, is really about recognizing that great input um, and perspective comes from anywhere. And if all of us, um, and I'll say, you know, even selfishly for Lime Rock Park, we're all built around growth. How do we expand, you know, our opportunity as an industry um, around motorsports? And how do we involve more and more people? Uh, because that growth is only possible um, if we talk to new people. Uh, our partner at IMSA, John Doonan, said it on Tuesday um, during the uh, ePortrait conference here at Industry Week um, that, you know, his, with even with all of IMSA's amazing growth in 2023, uh, their objective for 2024 is to build the new audience, build our future. And so um, input at Lime Rock Park comes, comes from everywhere. And if we don't, if we stifle it, if we stifle that input, we stifle that participation, we're really doing ourselves a disservice. Um, it really helped us drive our partnership with WIMNA. And uh, sure, it's it's a wonderful thing to be associated with this unbelievably dynamic organization, WIMNA, but yet um, it only comes to real life at Lime Rock Park about um, how we integrate it into every single day. So that means employees means uh, new relationships throughout the industry, new relationships with our fans, uh, new relationships with merchandise and, and uh, you know, all those things help build a more rich experience for everybody um, at a venue like Lime Rock. And let's be clear, like, uh, venues around the country, you know, all track venues, you, you need, you have uh, sponsors and, and, you know, that uh, help support the ongoing operations of tracks. So, when you have a broader fan base, that also then broadens the opportunities that you have for different sponsors that you can then talk to because then they can start to see their customer base fitting in with yours. If you're very siloed, it also then limits your sponsorship opportunities. So again, when we say this is you know for you know good for business, those are the ways that it manifests. This uh, this you know you could start talking to companies that might have have you know within Connecticut, which is you know probably the second or third smallest state in the union. Uh, there's still companies that are here that have never been been to Lime Rock Park, but as you um, you know, using that as an example for other uh, venues around the country, that the the more that you widen the uh, the draw of what what's going on at your venue, the the more sponsors that you then have access to and who would seek you know would would be able to receive value by by being partnered with you. Now, so we know all the, why all that's the little things that's matter. You know, and yeah. it is that full wheel Beth, that you're talking about. So you can't make really mistakes anywhere along the way, because if you disenfranchise any participant, you know, you'll hear about it, particularly through social media. And all of a sudden, you know, that'll be a little chink in the armor where somebody will have a doubt about, oh, you know, if Lime Rock Park didn't do something right, you know, right. is that going to be worse for me? So we have to really focus on the little things and little things can be really big opportunity for um, for a lot of people as we talk about diversity in our industry. And one thing too, I know that, you know, people um, 
people want to do do the right thing and they don't necessarily know where to start. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, how to put an event together, like kind of all right now, what do we do about it? We all agree we, it matters. We all agree it's good business. But now what? Like what's a what's a, a way to kind of start small and kind of put one foot in front of the other? I think the thing to remember, too, is it's OK to make mistakes or, or not. It, it, you're going to make mistakes. But the idea is, you know, ask questions, be vulnerable. I know, uh, Dickie, you have had an experience which has been fantastic where you have a, a driver who is um, a quadriplegic, actually, uh, who is uh, Torsten Gross, who had who started at an HPDE day at Lime Rock, totally got the racing bug, has now been racing. In fact, I think last week was down in Coda racing. But I think, didn't he also kind of help you with some of the um, accessibility uh, questions that might happen at a racetrack where now all of a sudden you've got somebody who's basically helping to consult and and have that perspective that's that you're not going to think about as readily as somebody like Torsten would. Yeah, thanks so much, Beth, for mentioning um, Torsten Gross and the Just Hands Foundation. So, um, you know, Torsten uh, is wheelchair bound and um, uh, yet being in a race car is something that completely frees him because then he's able to uh, compete and participate um, in a fully abled way. And uh, Torsten's perspective, just like any any perspective that I just mentioned at Lime Rock, is an opportunity for us to grow. We realized that you know even with the beautiful condition of the park, we had um, poor. Um, ADA compliance. And so even our main concession stand wasn't really accessible. So boom, there's our, our you know, next major, you know, capital project, um, not dictated by Torsten, but influenced um, by him. Uh, I'll mention another thing, not to embarrass Torsten, but um, he had a little off-piste experience in his Porsche this summer and um, everything fine. But um, we realized that, you know, our EMS services, we had to invest in some new Armco, some new barriers and things that made it possible for our EMS company to better service, not just a, you know, a disabled driver uh, or with a Just Hands participant, um, but everybody at Mine Rock Park. So again, that input comes from everywhere. Absolutely. Well, very well said. So if we say that we we know the why, so let's talk about the how. So I know, Brooke, you and Bosch, uh, you were part of the team that put together these wonderful events that were kind of like a racing 101. Um, and I think that's the, uh, has been a really a lovely way to introduce people. But I think let's talk a little bit about what the events were and then kind of things that maybe people that are listening could um, could mimic and, and do in their own uh, their own part of, of the of the country. And uh, and certainly, again, you know, as I like to say, let's copy off each other's notes. We're getting best practices here and we don't need to reinvent the wheel. And we can we can let's talk about the success and failure of these events and, and kind of, you know, so what was it and how did you promote it and where did you find the participants? Definitely. So the event series that Beth is referencing is the uh, something we self-titled as Electrify Your Career in Motorsports. And we did one with, uh, in partnership with Formula E at the Portland race this past year. And then we continued the concept in the Impsipatic for the Indianapolis um, Speedway race earlier in September, I believe. And we reached out to local schools, uh, kind of 
professors from a wide range of specialties, obviously touching on engineering and any Formula SAE teams or um, really anyone we could find with uh, engineering background and said, promote this or pass this on to any of your students who are interested in the motorsport. And any women in particular that, you know, want to find another route to learn what the opportunities are within motorsport and to see, you know, what they can begin to educate themselves on to get into the industry. So we um, produce these events with you know, half of them are kind of workshop uh, visioning exercises to help them define what success means to them. And then the other half was to introduce them to other women in the paddock who, you know, when they started their careers, they were the only women in the paddock. And, you know, how did they start to, you know, dive deeper into their expertise? How did they learn more about the industry, what they need to perform better, and just walked these kind of college-age students through the career path that a lot of these people had throughout the paddock, because no two paths are the same. To, yeah, note Dickie's earlier mention uh, at our panel at WIMNA, and and we need to highlight those stories because, you know, a lot of times we see people who have succeeded in the industry are, you know, the fallacy is that their path was straight when in fact, you know, we all, we all had a lot of different things to pull us uh, into where we are today. So that's how we recruited for the event. And um, then we followed up with all the participants on, you know, all the internships that are available throughout the paddock and with the different teams and the different, um, the different classes within IMSA in particular, you know, just opens you up to a very wide range of opportunities. And, and um, to be fair, though, too, that, you know, like shameless, you, I mean, realistically, because you're looking for candidates that may eventually work for Bosch. And that's OK. It's a great way to. And sometimes, you know, years ago, it would be that companies would be hesitant to do things, a lot of outreach to students because they might not be right ready to work for your company just yet. So that there is a little bit of a this is not a, a, you know, a direct ROI measurement necessarily all the time. And so how do you find that budget or how do you find this, the strength corporately for larger companies to invest in these events? Because sometimes you, know, you might, again, you're, you hosted 25 women. What if none of them come work for Bosch? Does it still have value? Because you know, to your point, it's a circuitous path. Maybe they might work for Bosch 10 years from now. So Definitely. How do you um, convince management that this matters? Mm -hmm. And just to allocate time for it is always the you know hardest part, and so that's where um, we're focusing on the on the pipeline, and we understand that you know not a lot of young girls are encouraged to jump back into a go kart, or not many young girls are encouraged to tear apart home appliances, you know, and to see what they like to do, and to you know understand how that applies in the real world and for their careers. Um, so I appreciate Bosch's stance of we don't have any targets of diversity, but we're intentional with the with the dollars that we do have and to keep, you know, encouraging that pipeline, whether it is five, 10 years out of when they might be able to join us in the office, still building that pipeline and and educating the girls on those opportunities and, you know, uncovering the Easter eggs that they wouldn't find from a Google search or, you know, 
scraping LinkedIn is to really give them those um, those real life opportunities and contacts for them to grow into their next stage. Um, so it's definitely felt from a corporate standpoint as just to seed and help develop that pipeline and to learn on it year after year. Well, this is the first year, so I'm sure we'll do it better next year. Brooke, you mentioned- I think um, the key word you know, that you said is intentional too. I think the intentional part is, is key. Yeah, you, you had mentioned, um, Brooke, uh, you know, convincing, you don't have to convince management at Bosch. And, you know, we felt that you were involved in the uh, Women of Power Hour um, at, uh, at Bosch, uh, excuse me, at Lime Rock uh, this summer. Um, but if you look around at, uh, even within our industry, I think, you know, leaders uh, that are widely respected, whether it's, you know, Roger Penske or, uh, Doug Bowles at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Connie Nyholm at VIR, you know, within our road racing uh, industry council, you know, these are leaders that um, that deliberately look for input um, outside of, you know, just their management team. And I know, you know, we we try to do the same thing um, at within the management team at, at Little Lime Rock, you know, that we we look for that input anywhere. Um, you know, long gone, I think, are the days when uh, even a, a, as talented a leader as, you know, a Doug, a Connie or a Roger, you know, because of their acumen, they could be myopic. They could just do it. And, you know, they would kind of do things right. Um, that that kind of leadership is is long gone. We're talking about you must be inclusive. And, you know, as I said before, diversity isn't isn't just you know a, a you know a race or a creed or something you know we have to look um to the future we have to look to youth we have to look to uh people who have never participated in the industry before uh because they will all influence our greater opportunity ahead um so you know i just feel like it's a it's a diversity of opinion diversity of perspective that makes our entire industry that much stronger that's a such a great point because I think that's the other thing that we need to kind of uh, again outline here is when we we throw the word around, but it means it can mean a few different things. It it could literally mean that let's say you're doing your 2024 planning for, you know what the, what the arc of the events are on your calendar and when you you should have that junior person you know and these are big planning meetings. I'm not talking about you know financial investment of the you know the, the the, the, the kind of board meetings that you have. I'm talking about the general planning that you have. Make sure that when you look around the table, it's it's a mix of your team. And that way you've got the, the veterans who have wonderful wisdom and and you know have kind of seen a lot of a lot of things. And then you have that those fresh eyes. And it's it's that diversity around the table of of having that mix of of ages and experience because there might be a creative idea. And you know you always hear that, oh well we've always done it this way. Ideally we're saying that less and less. Um, just because something might not have worked years ago doesn't mean it might not work now. You know, you have to take into consideration that, you know, times and, and things evolve. And so, you know, when we say the word diversity, we don't just think it's just women. It's just people of color. No, no, no. It, it's meaning um, it could be people of having different backgrounds, like, you know, Brooke having a, a different career path, you know, behind you. Like, you know, we, we were showing, I think that was one of the wonderful things about that event, especially at the, the uh, IMSA event at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in September, because it was a little bit, uh, it was a two-day event, so it was a little bit broader content, that let's say we had 15 different people over the course of these two days speak to these women. 
some of them had worked in completely different industries and then found their way to motorsport. And um, it, it's interesting to, that's that light bulb moment for young people to realize, you know, even if you don't do this right away, you can do this 10 years from now and, and that you still have value. So when you look at what you're going to do for 2024, how do you intentionally, um, you know, what what do you have on the docket for, for 2024 to, to expand your fan base? I mean, we want to make sure that, um, you know, Dickie, starting with you, that you, we want to make sure that um, Lime Rock is a place where everybody sees themselves. What does, how do you, how do you reach your audience and, and, um, and communicate that? Our, t our 2024 planning, you know, really began day one, you know, back in 2021, and uh, we were fortunate again calling out a, a fellow, um, you know, Race Industry Week participant, Chris Stewart from Gridlife. Uh, we were able to establish a, a partnership with Gridlife that um, now going into our third year in 2024 with another already prescribed year ahead in 2025. Um, Lime Rock Park is one of the oldest facilities in, in the country, and uh, Gridlife is the youngest grid in racing um, and a diverse and inclusive community in and of itself. So the lesson for us was uh, to not just focus inwardly, you know, on our fan base and on the people that are around us um, in the Northeast Metroplex at Lime Rock Park, but to deliberately attach ourselves um, to the opportunity to partner with um, an up and coming and wonderful group of people like we have at, at Gridlife, an entirely new fan base. Year one, 80% roughly of those Gridlife fans that came to Lime Rock Park were brand new, had never been to Lime Rock Park before. And that's like, that's magic for us. That's absolutely huge. I mean, that's that's a staggering number. And and how how did that um, relationship start? Did they call you? Did you call them? How did you find? Well, we them? have to. I've got to give credit to our other partner, FCP Euro, um, the mm -hmm. online right. um, auto parts uh, partner at Lime Rock Park, a wonderful organization. They made the introduction, and it's it was just the perfect uh, the perfect fit. And uh, we're we're so proud of our partnership with Gridlife, and of course with FCP Euro. And this is why a healthy ecosystem really behooves, you know, really helps all of us. And so whether it's, you know, Bosch supporting and creating an event that then is bringing in people, you know, again, you're attracting, Brooke, with, with what you guys put together with this Electrify Your Career in Motorsport, you are reaching a university audience that may be fans, but didn't really realize that there might have been a race event coming up in in their backyard that they could attend because it wasn't necessarily on their on their radar and then they meet people and it and it expands but this is a that's a wonderful example dicky where again you have a sponsor that's very much in the wheelhouse but then it winds up growing laterally and i think that's uh that's the magic of our industry and it's always sort of evolving that way but i think that uh, the most important thing we we want to take away from this is that diversity is meaning diversity of thought diversity of uh, perspective and that you can do this by being intentional and it's good for business because we all need more people to love the sport that we love. Brooke, any uh, closing thoughts on what you have planned for, uh, for the future and where you see everything going? Our mission statement internally is still to be intentional about uh, making a difference and inspiring the next generation and keep you know, giving resources to that future pipeline and to ask them for feedback and to continue to iterate on what we've started. So very much looking forward to 2024 and several other events with WIMNA and, and you know, the entire community, so. Excellent. A huge thank you to Trade and Racer 
um, what a great event. And uh, I know you're coming to the home stretch here. So thank you for including all of us. Oh, th no, th thank you, Dickie. It means a lot. And actually, the next hour, we're going to be talking to AERA, and we're going to travel to Argentina to talk about the TC2000, which is a fabulous racing series uh, down south. Registering on ePARTRADE is easy. To start, click on the Join for Free button on the homepage. First, search your company to see if it's already in our database. If you see your company on the list, click on it to select it. Then, choose Claim Company if you are one of the decision makers, an owner, marketing person, or main company contact. Or choose Join Company if you are an employee, and press Continue. If you couldn't find your company in our database, select Register a new company. On the following page, fill out your name, email, phone number, job title, and choose a secure password. If you chose Register a new company, you'll need to choose your business type. Select Supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose Racing Business if you're looking to source new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose Race Team if you own or are a member of a professional race team. Then, enter your company name. Please provide a website, Facebook page, or LinkedIn if you have one, and choose to either claim or join the company. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Finally, click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. An email will be sent to your inbox. Please confirm your email address and you will be approved shortly. Welcome to ePartrade.